The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jaguer. Presenting Season 7, Run Silent, Run Deep. Fire on the Mountain, Part 3. Written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, and Dennis Lee. Vicky wasn't answering hails on the comms, and that was very bad in the grand scheme of things. Which was saying something, considering Bulwark's team was pinned down at an intersection by two groups of Thulians. Bulwark shouted, Grenade out! Red manipulated his eardrums to close against the blast and pressure, saving him the trouble of having to stuff his hands against his head. A Thulian staggered away from where the grenade had gone off. Red dropped him with a burst from his rifle. We need to get out of this cave, and soon. This place is shaking apart. It was the gravity drives. One of the primary objectives for the CCCP infiltration team was to plant charges in strategic places around the base. Apparently, they'd managed to do the generators right. I know. Keep firing. We'll have to punch our way out. Which way's out? That was Matai. He had a point. Without Vicky to guide them... Red closed his eyes. He had to remember how the corridors had felt on the way in, what turns they'd made. This wasn't the first time he'd had to retrace blind. It wasn't even the first time he'd had to do it while being shot at. It was, however, the first time he was having to do it during what felt like an earthquake, with gunfire and explosions going on around him. That way? Maybe. Probably. Hell, any way was better than staying there. This way! he yelled, and made a break for it. He made it just past the first intersection when an armored trooper stepped out from around the corner. Between him and the rest, an armored trooper with functional energy cannons. How the hell did he fit in there? Red wondered, as he stared in petrified fascination at the business end of the cannon. There was a sort of whirlpool of dim fire in the barrel as it ramped up. He looked up, looked into Bulwark's eyes. Well, now would be the time for him to get revenge. Time slowed. A thousand emotions crossed Bulwark's face in the space of a second. Red looked away. And got body-slammed by the armored trooper as Bull's force field rammed into him, literally kicking him down the corridor. He actually glanced off the hurtling trooper, getting slammed into the side of the corridor as the unguided missile went past. He was still lying there, trying to get breath back into his lungs, when his calm went live again. Infil one, infil one, do you read? That was a voice he knew, but not the one he expected. Fortunately, Bulwark was able to respond. Roger, we copy. Bella? Dix down. I don't have her magic, but I have your HUD feeds, I have her map, and I have your position on it. One hundred feet. Right, right, right. Red coughed. Darling, you're an angel. Angel's next to me. Move your buns, people. I think you have incoming. And that trooper's getting up. Motu, we need you, brother. The two brothers nodded, then leaned forward, touching foreheads together momentarily. Motu threw a grenade towards the direction where they needed to go, rolling into the hallway seconds after the explosion. He dropped his rifle to the ground. Red could swear he saw the rifle warp, bend, and then coil from the floor and up Motu's leg. The Samoan concentrated, and more debris gathered to him. Pieces of Thulian weapons and armor, shell casings. The entire hallway began to creak. 
It wasn't from the growing earthquake, signs that the generators were going critical. This was localized. The metal plating buckled around Motu as if he had his own personal high-gravity field. Lighting panels and electrical conduits ripped free from the walls and ceiling, spraying out tremendous showers of sparks. Entire sections of the plating deformed, rent away from the walls, torn to fit Motu's body. The brave, beautiful bastard actually roared and looked like a nightmarish scrap heap come to life. The dazed Thulians finally recovered enough sense to try to shoot at him. Covered with the very materials they'd used to make their base, he was protected from any harm they could do him. But they had no such protection from him. Motu began blindly battering and crushing the Thulians that had taken position behind the team, more plating from the hallway replacing his armor wherever it was damaged. Then again, the corridor was narrow enough that he didn't have to see to hit them. My brother will cover our retreat. Let's get out of this damned place. Red caught Bulwark's eye again and nodded. Bulwark nodded once, stiffly. That's the turn. Right, right, right. I'm taking you out the way you came in. Start praying no walls have caved in. Is our ride still there? So far. You better get there before someone jacks it. John was grateful that Unter had memorized their route. He was too out of it to remember. The hallways all looked the same. Scrambling Nazis, electrical fires, and other assorted chaos. This entire place is going to go up. Hope we didn't do our job too well and become toast with it. John whirled to his left, snapping off a burst of rifle fire at a Thulian who had raised a pistol. The man crumpled, dead before he hit the floor. We are getting close, Murdoch. There are more Nazis, Unter grunted, pausing to fire several long bursts from his rifle. Many fascista. The team kept running. John could see his vision going black around the edges. He shook his head to try to dispel it, but to no effect. This is it. I'm running on empty. Christ, they're going to have to carry me soon enough. Infill 2, Infill 2, do you read? Unter responded. We read. Victrix? What is happening? It was Belladonna Blue's voice. Fix down. I'm on the comm. I have her map with you and your path on it. Right, left, right, then up the stairs on the right again. You're about to be up with Infill 1. Don't strafe each other. The team came to the intersection, everyone taking a sector and covering it with their rifle. Mamona shouted, Look! John heard a lot of gunfire, rifles, same model that his team was carrying. He could also see the glow of Thulian energy weapons being discharged, the ambient light splashing off of the hallway panels. Bulwark's team careened around the corner and into the intersection. Several members from both teams leveled rifles at each other, lowering them an instant later when recognition registered, or Bella yelled at them. John coughed, more blood coming up onto the back of his glove. He wiped it off on his pant leg, nodding to Bulwark. Good to see y'all are still alive. You aren't going to be if we don't get you out of here, Bulwark said grimly, looking at the blood trickling out of the side of John's mouth. John nodded, shouldering his rifle. He gestured with his offhand. Blue says that the exit is that way. Shall we, gents? Motu was still at the mouth of the corner where Bulwark's team had come from. The Thulian ray guns were firing almost constantly, picking at his armor. The hallway reacted to his powers, tearing itself apart to replenish his protection. Will you move your blue and arses? Bella shouted. This is no time for a tea break! The team responded by running as fast as possible, while allowing Motu's bulky form to provide them with a moving shield. They reached the hangar bay without having to kill too many more Nazis. 
few of them were willing to put enough effort into fighting, as opposed to saving their own skins. John surveyed the situation in an instant. There were a few officers ineffectually shouting orders, and even fewer people listening to them. Almost all of the base personnel were trying to find a vehicle, or running with a weapon. So, straight up the middle? Kill anybody in the way? Straight ahead. Your ride is parked at your front left of the hangar. Uh, you're, you're ten o'clock. It seemed as if the entire base buckled sideways like an angry bronco right then. Everyone hit the floor, their footing taken out from under them, with Motu being the exception. Base is given out, John said hoarsely. If we're going, now's the time. Copy that. Vic's sensor packs are all redlining. You don't have long. He looked to Mamona and Silent Knight. Care to give the opposition something to think about? Both of the metas nodded. Mamona bent down the entrance to the hangar, closing her eyes. Silent Knight braced himself, being careful to point his helmet with all of them behind him. Bulwark tapped them both on the shoulder at the same time, saying, Now. Dozens of Nazis doubled over instantly, puking their guts out or going into seizures. Though still in armor vibrated, the knight was either using a frequency too high to hear or too low. Whichever, maybe both at once, it was rattling anyone in metal to pieces. Sparks flew from the joints as the armor malfunctioned. Move it! John shouted, lurching forward and almost tripping over his own feet. The base was shaking itself apart, the vibrations were so violent now. Explosions sprayed shrapnel and debris everywhere, and those Thulians still able to stand were scrambling frantically. Some of the Nazis noticed the teams running for a death machine. Most didn't care, but few were well-trained enough to try and shoot at them. Soviet Bear took a plasma blast in his left arm. He spun with the impact, leveling his PPSH at the offending Thulian and unloading the rest of the drum magazine into the man. That was being made by genius of Soviet science, Gulak! His mechanical arm melted to the deck, cut off at the elbow, and he kept running. Matai took a conventional rifle round through the thigh. He didn't even have time to fully crumple to the ground before Motu had scooped his brother up in a fireman's carry, shielding him with his massive form. John switched his rifle to his offhand, chucking a grenade with the other. The explosion had a satisfying effect on a group of Thulians trying to take cover behind a stack of weapons crates. Genie's hands grew long claws, and he launched ahead of them, grimly slashing at unarmored troopers. Luckily, the area immediately around their transportation was clear of threats. Untermensch and Genie were the first into the death machine. There were two Thulian troopers, their plasma pistols on the floor, at the controls prepping the craft for flight. "'Good afternoon, fascista,' said Untermensch. "'Thank you for preparing our escape for us.' The two metahumans leapt for the Thulians, impervious hands and wicked claws removing the opposition, before the Nazis had time to reach for their own weapons. The rest of the team scrambled onto the ramp of the Thulian orb, throwing the Nazi bodies out. Motu hefted his brother into the craft, his armor sloughed off with a clatter. He ducked below a plasma blast, inches above his head, clambering into the hatch just before it closed. Bulwark plopped down into the pilot's seat, his arms reaching into the control sleeves. He didn't even bother to attach his safety harness. Bella, time. Go! Bella screamed. It's going crit in there! The death machine lurched forward, no pretense of being damaged. Bulwark gritted his teeth. They clipped several support struts for the hangar, bouncing off another fleeing orb as they shot out of it. The orb shot forward at incredible speed. John's vision was going out. He felt a cold chill creeping over him, and he fought for breath. Are we clear? He managed to choke out. Yes, 
Crap! A massive shockwave slammed into the orb. John felt weightless for a moment, and everything slowed down. He saw Mamona's face, drawn tight and pale. He could see the blood from Matai's leg seeping through his brother's fingers. Untermensch looked unconcerned, and Pavel looked like he was having the time of his life. Time sped back up, and everyone was thrown forward, crashing into each other. John blacked out. Natalia panted for breath, the dust and smoke thick in the air clinging to the roof of her dry mouth. So damned many of the swine. She collected her strange energies, blasting the head off of a Thulian that had left cover too soon. Since the Nazis had slowly awakened to the fact that they were taking more casualties than they should, they had pulled their numbers back to cover. Their advance was stopped, but the fighting was still brutal. Most of her forward rocket teams were dead, overrun or blasted by death machines. The toll was not as bad as it had been in Red Square or in Atlanta, but any loss was one too many. Without the furthest rocket teams, the orbs had been getting closer. One had chanced to try to drop a squad of troopers directly on top of Savior's team, behind their lines. Luckily, due to the proximity to the Echo Broadcaster, they were able to finish the assaulting Nazis before they could do too much damage, collect too many kills. The Commissar called the Blue Angels off of close air support, retasking them to focus solely on making run against the orbs. The decision had probably saved the entire valley from getting a thermite bath. Sestra! Molotok called, throwing an armed grenade with fastball accuracy. Might be thinking of doing something about our party guests, da? His question was punctuated by the exploding grenade. A chorus of Thulean energy cannons answered, splitting the air and pulverizing boulders around Molotok's cover. At least they can't shoot. Being hard when your targets shoot back, yet. Enough. She cued the egghead channel. Comrades, it's time for a second surprise. Deploy sheep, say, zo. She stumbled over the designation. Curse these people for naming something after an Aztec god. We just call it the TDR, Miss Commissar, ma'am, drawled the tech. Tesla Death Ray deployed. It really wasn't called the Tesla Death Ray. That was just the affectionate name that the techs that set it up and manned it had mentioned. Its technical name was the Zodal Heavy Armor and Light Armored Infantry Suppression Cannon, one of the Space Age wonders garnered from Echo. The camouflaged emplacement was on the military crest of the peak at the Echo and CCCP's back. It gave a commanding view of the entire valley where the fight was still raging, and was one of the only places with flat enough ground to mount it. It took three of the rare and expensive portable Echo broadcasters to power it. Moments after she gave the command, the camouflage netting was stripped away. It was some sort of LED blanket that helped mimic the background. Silly to see up close, but at a distance it was a fairly convincing illusion. The contraption looked like two oversized pinchers on a cannon mount. Natalia spared a glance over her shoulder to watch it. It was spitting forks of electricity, and she could feel the hair rising on her arms. Heads down! Even with her eyes slammed shut, she could see the terribly bright flash. There was a thunderous popping sound that hurt her ears. It sounded like an angry power line sparking out its vengeance. The sorceress had worked her unsettling magic, implanting one of the HUD devices in her eye. Somehow. It worked, and Victoria's method had not required surgery. But Natalia wondered if she ought to be disturbed that she was coming to accept the intrusion of magic in her life. Still, one could not deny it was useful, and the wretched thing understood Russian, too. H.U.D., she commanded, and the system activated. Battlefield overlay. 
an image within an image played over her HUD. She was watching the entire valley from five hundred feet up. It occurred to her that she could have probably been miles away in the sky and still have seen the TDR. It looked like a gigantic, brilliant blue-white bolt of lightning, a strike that would not flash away. It twisted and turned, tearing through the ground and the enemy at the rear of their formation. The beam seemed haphazard. It didn't fire straight and was constantly writhing. It lashed left and right, and where it struck, Nazi troopers exploded, utterly decimated even where they were not close to the echo broadcasters. The weapon crew canted the device skyward. The beam shifted, cutting through a formation of two Thulean orbs and setting fire to a third. What a person could do with ten of these! As suddenly as the murderous barrage had begun, it stopped. The lightning cannon sputtered off with a final thunderous pop. The commissar could swear that everyone in the valley would probably have some sort of hearing damage. Xavier swore, then mentally shrugged. There had never been a guarantee of how long the thing would work. At least it had cut a decent swath in the fascista numbers. The advantage didn't last, however. Some of the surviving Thulean orbs had risen high above the battle. Their energy cannons lashed out, destroying all of the closest echo broadcasters. They're softening up our positions for a push. Several of the echo metahumans that used tech powered by the broadcasters found their devices powerless. An energy shield fizzled into non-existence. A bionic arm froze. A set of flying powered armor dropped out of the air. And so on down the lines. Comrades! All firepowers to the front lines! They would do this the hard way. Where was the sorceress? Until now she had been more than adequate at steering the infiltration teams and giving the external force help. She had even coordinated with the hammer at taking out that new orb at the mouth of the valley. So where was she? As if on cue the sorceress's channel crackled to life, but it was not her voice. Nat, Vix passed out cold. Handling info from her console, it's all I can do. Bah. But she infused her voice with confidence she in no way felt. Spasibo, Bella. Infil is first priority. We are handling things out here. A new voice came over the comms. Commissar, we are uh, in position. There's not much cover here. It was May, the tinkerer. He had anticipated a potential need to make large numbers of the enemy vulnerable at once, in case their air support was no longer operational. This looked like a necessary time to use their last trump card— Three metahumans, Zmei and two Echo Optus, hidden safely where the Thulians would pass them without notice. Fire on my mark. Full power. She waited until she knew she had no choice. Mark. There was a momentary pause, and then a huge cloud of flame belched from where Zmei and the others were positioned. The cloud extended over the massed Thulian ranks. It contorted and then came slamming down. The heat was hot enough to make a fresh sweat break out over the commissar. It felt like she was in a kiln on a hot day in hell. Thulean energy beams shot out, going wildly into the sky or the mountains. Switching to her bird's-eye view of the battlefield, she saw that nearly all of the enemy were bathed in flames. The fire cloud contracted, dissipating into wisps of flame. Strike completed, commissar. Nazareth! A Thulean orb climbed over the hiding place for Zmei's squad. Involuntarily, she gathered her energies and shot at the orb. She might just as well have been lobbing rocks at it. It ignored her in favor of the real threat, shooting twice, not at the squad, but at the face of the mountain beneath them. The entire section collapsed with a roar that swallowed up her own screamed curses. In her ear, Zmei shrieked, the sound cutting short as the thousands of tons of rocks and earth crushed him and the two echo-ops with him.
The firefight intensified, dozens more missiles and rockets slamming into the Thulians. They pushed forward, firing their energy cannons, ignoring their mounting losses. If we die here, we die fighting. We die killing our murderers. She threw a grenade, waiting for its explosion, and then swept around the side of the boulder she had been using for cover. Da, comrades! In defense of the motherland! It was the old battle cry, first her father's, now hers. He had used it at the siege of Stalingrad that no one had expected to survive. CCCP knew it well. Come, my wolves! she shouted in English over the open comms. Let us show them our teeth! The entire world chose that moment to open up. A flash brighter than the lightning cannon lit the sky and washed the color out of everything. Natalia was thankful not to have been staring directly at whatever had done it. The fighting completely stopped as the entire valley began to shake itself to near pieces. The quake became so intense, even the Nazi troopers were taken from their feet. She saw one crushed under a falling piece of mountain. It took the commissar a few heartbeats to convince herself that she was still alive after the shaking had stopped. Standing up, she scanned the battlefield, looking for what had caused the devastation. Some new weapon? Some terror device? Bella Parker's voice called out over her calm. Red Leader, Red Leader, Infill scored. They're out there in one of the grounded orbs. Please don't frag them. Some of the Nazi troopers had begun to run. Others were surrendering, climbing out of their suits. All of the orbs had already changed their flight paths and were climbing high into the sky. Very few of the remaining Thulians were still ready to fight. It was this last group that Red Savior cared about. Exterminate the Svinyas, she ordered harshly. The surviving CCCP members growled or cheered raggedly, and waded in. When he came to, everyone was a jumble of limbs and groans. If anyone is being dead, take a number and being wait in line, said Untermensch, slightly muffled. Is correct Soviet way. Bear piped up. But reminds me of time I was in Harem in Tuscany. There are no harems in Tuscany, old bear, growled Hunter. Shto? John untangled himself from someone's leg. Can it, you two? Is everyone all right? Mamona groaned, shifting so she could sit up. I think my arm's broken. A pause. Yeah, definitely broken. Ow! Sir. Bulwark was next. All of my teeth are loose. Besides that and some scratches, I'm fine. That was a hell of a ticket ride. I want to get back in line and do it again. Red was completely unscathed. He slapped the orange square that irised the hatch. It was now on the side of the orb and next to John. Anybody with me? The teams fell out of the hatch, those on the outside first helping everyone else out. Mamona and Matai were the toughest to get out, with special care attended to their injuries. Finally, everyone was out of the craft. John could see that there were large scars from the shrapnel of the explosion, with jagged tears in the hull. Guys, look! Mamona used her good arm to point back towards the Thulian base. Just look at that! A very large portion of the mountain where the Thulian North American headquarters had occupied had exploded and then imploded, collapsing on itself. A gigantic cloud of dust had formed above where the main base was. Plumes of black smoke streamed up from the crater itself where underground fires must still be burning. 
The nearest thing John had ever seen to it was the destruction caused by the Mount St. Helens eruption. Luckily, aside from the blast wave, the destruction was localized. After all, they weren't dead. There were dozens of Thulean death machines streaking into the sky. He thought that a couple were actually on fire. Oh, dear God in heaven! Bella sounded exhausted. Stand down, Infill. Most of the remaining Thulians are either running or surrendering. CCCP can mop up the rest. I think Echo had better concentrate on holding the Russian wolves off the ones surrendering if we want to collect any intel from prisoners. We did it, Bulwark said, sounding as if he didn't quite believe it. John nodded, then swayed on his feet. He collapsed to his knees, the world around him spinning and going dark. You have been listening to Season 7 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin McLeod, available at Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle is published by the amazing people at Bayon Books. Follow the series at www.secretworldchronicle.com. Join us on Facebook and check out the authors on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening.